Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? What the fuck is sodans? Is that how we did it? Is that for Minnesotan what the fuckers? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for liking the show. Thank you for listening to me. Today on the show, I'll get this uh, up front because uh, she's a gift. She is a, a sweet being. Mary Mack is on the show. Uh, she's from uh, Wisconsin, uh, lives in the uh, Minneapolis area. Uh, I find her enchanting in a very bizarre way. And I wanted to put this out there at the top of the show because I know some of you don't plow through my business. But Mary Mack is going to be in Nashville playing at uh, the Bongo Java After Hours Theater. That's tonight, March 19th, and tomorrow, March 20th. You can go to bongoafterhours.com for tickets. That's going to be happening. Uh, also, I will be in Bloomington, Indiana this Friday and Saturday, March 23rd and 24th. Come see me there. You can go to WTFpod.com and get the link to information. Now, I told some of you oh, one other thing before I, I embark on this story that I promised. Today's music is from Afraid of Figs. They're a Seattle-based band, and you can check them out at AfraidofFigs.com. That's uh, the music on today's show. So dig it. So as you know, last week, or the week before, actually, I was in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I had thought, as I told you, I was banned from Acme Comedy Club for 12 years, and that's a great comedy club. Now, I had decided I was banned for a specific series of reasons, and that event, those series of events, became almost mythic in my mind, and I wanted to recall them as some of the great, you know, like one of the great weekends of my... uh, drinking and drugging career that that was how i had it in my head that if i was banned it was for a good reason 12 years i mean i haven't drank or done drugs in over 12 years so this happened must have been 13 years ago so i have this series of memories of what what would i what was a, a great weekend in my mind but as i recollect it i'm not sure it was such a great weekend but there was a message to it the here's how it went wait for it Pow! Look out. I just shipped my pants, just coffee.coop, available at WTFpod.com. Get yourself the WTF blend, and I get a, a few shekels on the back end there. Anyways, Lewis Lee, the guy who owns the club, who uh, I'm on good terms now and had a lovely time at his uh, amazing club. And I'm not just kissing ass there. I mean, that is a great club, Acme. But he had a condo. Now, this condo is where he put up comics, and it was pretty nice for a comedy condo. It had partition walls. There were no separate rooms. I'm not sure why that was. I almost got the sense that I thought in my mind that Lewis Lee had had videos set up in this condo, which he didn't. And as I said before, the only reason he iced me was because I was a dick. Had nothing to do with what uh, I thought was one of the best weekends of my life. Here's what happened. At the time... I did that gig. It was a, uh, I believe, a Tuesday through Saturday gig, maybe a Wednesday through Saturday, several days. And at that time, I was doing cocaine a lot. And I certainly like to do cocaine when I went on the road. 
So I got to Minneapolis on the uh, the Tuesday, and uh, I decided that uh, cocaine had not got to Minneapolis yet. It was not in Minneapolis, and this was what? It would have been 1998 or somewhere in there. And, of course, cocaine had been well distributed throughout the world. But, in other words, I didn't know anyone to get cocaine from in Minneapolis. Didn't know how to reach out. So I got there, and I was already angry because I wanted cocaine for my weekend in Minneapolis, for my week in Minneapolis. So I only knew one way to get it, and that was to get hold of my guy in Los Angeles. I had a guy. He wasn't a cocaine dealer, but he was a guy I did cocaine with in Los Angeles. So he had a cocaine dealer. And at that time, uh, he was the guy that I was dealing with. So his name was Bob, so I figured I'd call Bob. Now, a lot of you have, maybe some of you have done drugs. You know this guy. There are guys that can get anything. They can get, if you need something, they can get it. Uh, And they'll actually volunteer uh, to get things that you may not need. You know, the kind of guy that you could be out at a bar with a few people and this guy talking about something, maybe something esoteric, maybe something like Revere Silver. You're discussing about, you know, maybe Paul Revere's uh, craftsmanship as a silversmith. And this Bob is the kind of guy that would say, you guys, you, well, you like Revere Silver? All right, hang out. I'm going to make a call. And then before you know it, maybe three, four hours later, you're in a strange apartment or a hotel room and you're having tea out of a Revere Silver set with Bob, the guy who owns the apartment, and some dude with teardrop tattoos who's missing a finger. And that guy makes you uncomfortable, but he's got to hang out because he brought the tea. That's the kind of guy Bob was. So I call Bob from Minneapolis and I say, uh, Bob, I'm in Minneapolis. I need you to FedEx me some blow. And Bob says, no problem. I'll get it out on the FedEx tomorrow. Why don't you FedEx me the money? So I go to a bank machine, take out $350 to get an overpriced eight ball. And I FedEx that to Bob. Now, the one thing you don't want to be doing in your life is FedExing money to a drug addict who's going to get your drugs from a drug dealer. That's just a word of advice if you're still in that world if you're still running that 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 hustle so i fedex bob the money the next day he says i got the money man uh listen i got the eight ball i'm gonna stick it in a videotape and i'm putting it in the fedex today and uh it should be there tomorrow and i'm like excellent i'm all set Thursday, this is going to happen. I FedEx him on Tuesday. He gets the money on Wednesday. So Thursday for the weekend, I'm going to have my eight ball. So Thursday, I go to the club to see if my FedEx came with my cocaine. So you can imagine my aggravated anticipation of the eight ball. And I walk into the club's office. I say, did anything come in the uh, in the FedEx for me? Was there FedEx for me? That was the tone. Did you get anything FedEx for me? Mark Marin, I'm the guy working here. This was uh, someone working there, not not the owner of the club. I, someone I didn't know, probably. And they said, no, there, there's nothing for you, Mark. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. Never mind. I'm good. I'm sorry. Okay. And I leave. And I call Bob back at the condo. I say, Bob, where's my blow? And Bob says, oh, man, you didn't get it. I guess FedEx must have fucked up. Uh, let me find the tracking number. And in my mind, he was giving me a real tracking number. In reality, he was just sitting there looking at nothing, saying seven eight four nine seven six five blah 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 blah. So I write that down, and the next day, I believe Bob because I'm an idiot. Later that year, before I cleaned up, I remember giving Bob five hundred dollars specifically not to rip me off as some sort of insurance policy. The next day, which brings us what to Friday. I go to the club to wait for the FedEx truck and the FedEx truck shows up. So I see the guy and I say, dude, do you got a package for Mark Marin, Acme Comedy Club? I'm waiting for a package. It's got a videotape in it. The guy looks at me and says, please get off the truck, sir. Sorry. I get off the truck. He says, I have nothing for you. And I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. 
And I call Bob and he goes, I don't know what happened, man. They must have lost it. Or maybe the dogs got it. Now I got to worry about me. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay, fine, fine. So this is turning out to be a shit trip. The shows are going okay. I, quite honestly, I don't remember the shows. Then later that afternoon, that Friday afternoon, my friend Charlie shows up. I don't know what he was doing in Minneapolis. Charlie's the kind of guy, maybe you got friends like this. They just show up places and you're like, holy shit, Charlie, what are you doing here? And they're like, hey man, what's going on? I don't know. I was just, then there's a story. I met a guy who's got a, a sister who has this animal that I had to, all right, whatever. I Okay. Okay. Well, it's good to see you. He goes, yeah, man, can I hang out? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, dude. It's good to see you. I was waiting for some blow and the blow didn't come. You know anywhere to get blow around here? He's like, no, man, I have some friends here, but I haven't seen him since I was seven. And all right, I, I get it. So Charlie's there and it's like, all right, well, this is new blood. We're going to have a good time. And it's, uh, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon. Charlie says, let's start drinking. So we went out and bought some booze, a case of beer, some Jack Daniels and whatnot. And we're tying one on at 2.30 in the afternoon on the Friday. That night, I got to do two shows. And Charlie's like, yeah, there's a lot of strip clubs around here. We should go over and check out the strip club at 4.30 in the afternoon. All right, 4.30 in the afternoon. Fine. I don't go to strip clubs, but there's one right down the street, Deja Vu. And I don't know what the hell was going on there. But uh, look, strip clubs are sad to me in general. But this was really sad, not because it was Minnesota. And I don't know, you know what the stripper pool is like up there. And I'm not going to judge. But this was like an open mic night or open mic day. This was like an amateur uh, stripper show. And there was like 10 women who girls who look like they'd have been cajoled by their boyfriends or maybe uh, sadly, you know, uh, forced by their boyfriends to strip. They, they were all looked frightened and the, the dances were awkward and uh, they were not used to taking off their clothes. It, it was terrifying. Uh, they looked uh, truly scared and broken. And that's, you know, as a professional tripper, you learn how to stuff that stuff and hide it and put some makeup on that. And uh, that, was, uh, that was that afternoon. So that was not a good afternoon. And that night, uh, I did the shows and, I, and I'm going to be candid with you people that night. I was aggravated and get blow. I was saddened by the stripper show. And that night after the two shows, uh, I, I slept with the, uh, the largest woman I'd ever slept with in my life. And, and, uh, I'm not, I'm not proud of that. And I'm not saying this to insult her and I'm not going to mention names because frankly, I don't remember her name. Uh, but it was a challenge. You know, it was not a sexual thing. It was more of an astronaut thing. It was like, you know, we can put men on this. We can put men on the moon. We, I can do this. That was uh, my, that's how I entered this. I hate me. Uh, I'm aggravated. This trip is not working out well. I'm going to, I'm going to have sex with this person. And I was, I was about to do it. I was in the bedroom. It must've been two in the morning, one thirty in the morning after the show. Obviously I was drunk. But it was going to happen. And then right at that deciding moment where I'm, I'm looking at what's laid out before me and, and about to, to enter the situation, I, was, I said, do you have any condoms? She said, no, don't you? And I'm like, no, I don't. And then because there were no walls, just partitions in this, um, in this condo, I hear Charlie go, I got one, man. So he'd been listening. And, uh, and he literally walks into the room with the, with the condom as I'm about to do this. And he goes, Hey, you, you sure you want this? And I'm like, just, just give it to me and get out, please. So I do that. I, I, I made it. I landed on the moon and, uh, and she left. That was the best thing that happened that night. And I'm not trying to be rude or sexist or, or in any way hostile. It was just, it was better for everybody. It was, it was really a space issue. So the next day, obviously horrendous. Now, uh, no Coke. I, I put myself through a lot 
It was just, we were hungover. It was awful. We're laying around the condo. We're watching a Western on television. And I'm just fucking hating everything about me and any anyone involved with that. We're just sitting there watching this, drinking beers. And I said to Charlie, I said, you know, man, fuck. What would Keith Richards do right now? And Charlie said, uh, yeah, well, he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be us. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know, Charlie's one of those guys. I don't know if you have friends like that. Like if you ever talk about Charlie, if I ever talk about Charlie, um, or maybe you have a friend like this, it, the conversation is always like, you know, how, whatever, I wonder what happened to Charlie. I haven't seen him in a while. I actually saw him in Nashville not long ago, but long enough ago. So we're sitting there watching this Western. Obviously not Keith Richards. We are not Keith Richards. And then a few minutes goes by. And I remember saying this because I remember I thought there was poetry to it. We're both just watching a Western, half detached. And I said, you know what, man? We're we're not cowboys. It just sat there and I was like, it meant a lot to me to know that at that moment that I was not a cowboy. So we drank some more that day and then I had two shows that night and I went and did the two shows and Charlie and I had, we invited some the waits wait, waitresses to the condo like that was going to fucking happen and we go back to the condo and we're just wasted out long weekend a lot of drinking a lot of disappointment a lot of things happen that shouldn't we're about to crash and it's like 2 in the morning and the doorbell rings on the condo and there are these two beautiful women there one's wearing a some sort of costume wig they were at a party and they were drunk and they're like hey what's up i'm like hey what's up and they came in and we were drinking and laughing and you know you know shirts were off and it was just it was almost like a 70s movie you know there was no sex but you know there seemed to be some nudity and some playing and it was all very jovial and it was just very fun. It was so, it was almost innocent in, in the view. It was like one of those perfect drunks, man. You know, when you're just with people, maybe a couple of guys, a couple of girls, but it doesn't get too weird. doesn't get too nasty. It doesn't get frightening, but you know, it's fun and it's naked and it's good. And we did that till like four in the morning and they left. And it was a nice, uh, a nice end to what was turning into a very bleak weekend the next day I had a rented car and I and Charlie's like, can you give me a ride to this place and the thing? And I'm like, okay. And I literally drove Charlie to where he told me to drive him. And, and it was just to a, a neighborhood. It was just to a street, not to a structure. He goes, this is good. And I let him out and it's just a neighborhood. And he's just gets out and he starts walking down the street. He's got everything he owns. You know, he's wearing everything he, he's traveling with and he's now carrying a half a case of beer and a bottle of Jack Daniels that was left over. And I'm like, you know where you're going? He's like, yeah, I got some family and a uh, thing. And I'm like, all right. And I'm just watching Charlie walk down the middle of this street with this half a bottle of bourbon and a half a case of beer. And, and he turns around, and he looks at me and he says, uh, we are cowboys. And he just keeps walking. And I uh, drove the car to the airport. I wonder where Charlie's at, man. What's the matter, Mary Mac? What, the reeds? Do you have to suck on that reed? 
Mary Mack is in my garage, and she's holding a mandolin, a clarinet, and sucking on a reed. Hello, Mark. Hi. Um, did we? Is this started? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna check this reed out and see if this is uh, okay, cause it's a softer reed, so maybe uh, you got a lot of stuff to help me out with it in here. <laughs> Wow, that sounds really good. Okay. I like fucking around with a lot of different mics. I, I like that too. I mean, I don't know if it means anything, but I think it sounds better. That mic there that you're going to play your mandolin into? Yeah. I don't know. You know. I don't run a studio. I'm sure we could just... It looks like a studio. I mean, I, I think we could probably just do it with... Uh, with, um, you know, the mics that we use for our mouth. But these are pretty specific um, focus. Ooh. What's that? <laughs> You're, how old are those strings on that guitar? Why? <laughs> keep slipping. Are they? I think they're good. You got, a, you got a stinker. You got a stinker in there. I do? Yeah, but wait, wait till you hear me. I have lots of stinkers. What a mess. This, this, everything you see me doing is long it, this is happens in my brain is the messy just like how I just did this it's that messy it's that messy in your brain all the time <laughs> yes it's horrible it's ah! so a lot of stuff going on like when I saw you I've, I've you know honestly only had experience with you once when we worked at the mall no, you you were the only one who was nice to me at the Vancouver Comedy Festival about six years or so, seven years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, I saw you there, too. You are very nice, and I was like, that Mark Marin, he is a nice fellow. Well, that, thank, thank God I made uh, that kind of impression. Not everybody has that impression of me. I, I there's, there's a lot of people there who didn't uh, make that impression. On you? Yeah, there's... I, well, you're a, sure. you're a, you know, you're, you're, you're a special person. <laughs> and that means that the people are not, <laughs> what? I don't mean that. I have to suck on another clarinet, Reed. I apologize. <laughs> so Sorry. how long have you been playing clarinet? Oh, God. So long. Um, my first degree was in clarinet. And, um, wait, this one. Yeah. So it, it, my first degree was clarinet, but I started, you know, when I was, fifth grade so i i don't want to give away my age but uh let me figure out that math you went to school for music uh, 20 oh my god no 25 25 years but it doesn't sound like it because i gave it up for a long time and then i just popped back into it but was the dream music yeah yeah i conducted youth orchestra really that's what i thought i wanted to do because my master's is in conducting really yeah it's a it's a master of fine arts in conducting and then i was conducting youth orchestra and i was like oh god these kids are great but their parents and the uh the city board and all, all everything else sucks so then and i taught music and then at the same time at night i had a polka band and um and then I was coming in to teach in the morning at like 7 a.m. And I'd be like, kids, watch this video. Um, because I was so tired from polka and yeah. being out till 2 a.m. So. You don't need that kind of information, do you? 
No, I love that kind of information. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. So you got you were exhausted by uh, you know overextending yourself with the youth orchestra and polka playing. Yeah, and so um, then I was like, ah, I'll quit teaching and then I'll just do performing, and um. What thought, in the polka band? Yeah, I thought, oh yeah, just <laughs> go full time polka band. Full time polka is, band. That's a horrible. Plan. It's, a, it's a horrible it's a life. Horrible plan. So compared to that, I don't even know what polka. Like, what chords are polka? Oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're doing it. Okay. So try try this. Um, B flat. Yeah. Um, uh, I can play a, a thing in B flat, and then um, and then F, and you, and I'll try to look at you when to change. But do you want to try to just play B flat, and then and then to F? Da, 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 and and I'm kind of guessing on some of these notes. It sounds. Not so good. Yeah, let's just try a little bit, and then you'll be like, "Oh, I can play a polka." Okay. Then so then two or three. <laughs> so right there, try switching to F. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're All already right. doing it. We can get a gig tonight. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll huh? Good. Two, three. <laughs> I'm trying. I know. Right, wait, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Okay. C- cancel that part out of this podcast. Did so. Hey, will you do this? Jump. You give a chord, 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 and then I go da da, and then we go one. Two, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Wow, we're going to get a gig somewhere. There's going to be a guest guest house or in, in uh, L.A. here. All right, huh? so, okay, good. So I'm glad we got that. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a, a thrill to see you. Oh, man, it's a thrill to see you. I, I just, it's nice to be here. That feels like you're not even in L.A. in this part of this. I know, some people who have lived here for years, they come out here and they're like, where the fuck am I? Yeah. And yeah. I say, well, you're uh, you're in the real people land. Yeah. I did. I met a lady from not too far from here on the super shuttle one time, mm-hmm. and she told me I could live with her. So yeah. I might be your neighbor at some point. Did you, uh, What? how did that go exactly? I mean, what kind of person does that? Hey, you seem okay. Come on in and <laughs> live with me. Did you hit it off? Was it weird? Um, You're on a super shuttle. Oh, whoops. What's that? Uh, that was your mandolin? watch got stuck on there. Um, yeah, su- su- super shuttle. Um, I don't know. We just got talking, and she was with her granddaughter. And, and then she, she, as soon as people find out you live in Minnesota, there's like an automatic trust there. And they're like, oh, this is a sucker. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it was like uh, she gave me her card, and she's like a nurse or whatever. And and her granddaughter was very nice, and they were on their way to Texas. So they're mm. not from here either. Yeah. So right away, there's some sort of bond you form with these people. Yeah. And um, then uh, I, she just gave me her card, and I was like, oh, I'll save this. Because I was wintering in Echo Park. You were. Yeah. But, very uh, popular place to winter, Echo Park. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's always winter in Echo Park, though it's sunny, but it's still, there's some sort of darkness. There's a dismalness about yeah. it. Yeah, um, but then that that place went away, and then I was like, well, if I need to be out here anymore, then I can so, use this lady's room, I guess. Yeah, well, you give her a call. Maybe we'll go over there after. So what, <laughs> uh, like, for some reason when I first saw you, and when I first had the, uh, when I experienced the full Mary Mac effect, oh, no. that was at the uh, Mall of America. 
Oh, yeah, 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 you invited you me to do a guest That's spot, right. John. Thank you so much. That's and nice. you turned a room full of mall-going comedy <laughs> people <clears throat> into a group of singing children. Yeah. And I thought that was uh, terrific. There was a vulnerability Good. to it. There was an openness to it. Uh, it initially, there, you get on stage and people are like, what the hell is she going to do with the thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And sometimes there's many things on stage. I, I sometimes if I can park close, I bring even more crap up there. Yeah. With me. Well, so. where do you come from? So for some reason, I've got this mythology I created in my head that you come from a a a simple upbringing with uh, you know snow and animals. <laughs> yeah, I and- do. <laughs> I do. We had um, chickens and ducks, and we had a goat and uh, animals in a garden, and lived on the dirt roads and uh, a couple hours north of the Twin Cities in northern Wisconsin uh-huh. and my folks are from the Duluth Minnesota area and then they um, tried living in the Twin Cities and it was just they just needed the woods so then they moved I'm trying not to do you want me to do bits because I'm trying to steer clear of my bits about it no, you, however you converse about it is fine I okay. won't know whether they're bits but I mean sorry are, are yeah, they okay. what did you call them hill people uh, Mark that's funny you, you won't you said you won't know their bits and I find that's true most of the time <laughs> <laughs> no, e- e- even like up until f- I, I've I'm, been I'm, on stage for 44 minutes and then people are like oh maybe this is a comedy <laughs> show no so, I meant that like I wasn't saying that they wouldn't be funny I didn't, <laughs> no. I don't know all your jokes I didn't go through <laughs> the Mary Mac files to oh, I don't know either, to but... call you out on your jokes and say like oh, that's good. a bit okay okay good no no they, it, uh, they went up there and then they were like you know uh, I grew up uh, digging the out, new outhouse hole every year, so that was our spare bathroom. We had an outhouse outside. That's a once a year thing, digging an outhouse. Well, hole? we had a lot of family members, so. No, but I mean, I thought that would be a little more frequent. I mean, it's. A- oh yeah, no, because we we also had the indoor bathroom. Oh. So, but some of my friends did not have indoor bathrooms. So the outdoor bathroom was sort of like an emergency. Too many people in the yep. house situation. Yep. Yep. And then, um. I guess we were pretty well off because we had two outhouses. <laughs> that you dug <laughs> yourself? Yeah. Who's, who else is going to dig them? So, what, what does that take to dig an outhouse hole? How deep? And so you, know. you Well, first you have like six kids. Yeah. And then you get them each shovels. Yeah. And then, <laughs> the thing you get, and then you, the kids who are like 16 and up uh-huh. get the beer. Yeah. And then the other the younger ones just kind of run around and... <laughs> Yeah. How many kids in your family? Uh, six kids, and um, but I actually don't really talk to what we're. It, what do you call it? Like what the? We don't really talk to each other that much anymore. Um, but my one sister and I talk to each other. Um, so actually, I w- was living out here in an apartment out here for like two and a half years in Los Angeles. Five years ago, uh-huh. yeah. And um, I was only out here for like three months of it because I was really on the road quite a bit at that time before people stopped working me. Yeah. And oh, did that come out? Um, <laughs> and and so I uh, saw a shooting outside my window in Los Angeles, and. Um, me and I was like, oh, maybe it's time for a craft project. And then I heard like, what, what? <laughs> and I went out and there was kids shooting at other kids. Uh-huh. And um, and then oh, I called the 911 and mm-hmm. then people, the police came and then I went outside to help the police and I was like, how come nobody else is out here helping the police? And I realized, oh, because they live here, the gang 
people can see you. Yeah. And then、um, it was frightening to come home, you know, after comedy at 2 a.m. And yeah. I tried, then I was like, I gotta get out here. And then I tried to live. So you got to frighten for your life because you were a,、uh, a police helper. Yeah. And then I、uh, tried to live in my sister's bait shop in northern Wisconsin after that. And、um, mm. she wouldn't turn off the customer buzzer, which starts at, you know, 6 a.m. Because it's a bait shop. Yeah. Even I tried to stay in the apartment attached to it to whenever. And,、uh, so you went from Echo Park. To shooting, from shooting to a buzzer for people needing worms. Yes. Now, <laughs> and then I got a house in Minneapolis, and then, I, and then I do my wintering here, like I said. So, so wait, now, okay, a bait shop. Your sister owns a bait shop. Yep. What, what does that entail? Well, they, <laughs> she won't hire me, so I can only、you've, tell you you've from. You've tried to get a job there. Yep. What was the issue? She won't let me work the cash register. Why? She doesn't trust me. And so I'm、to、not with money.、Oh, I'm just like. Just to ring it up, right? Yeah. What does she sell there, though, primarily? What's the big bait? Um, Well, people like crappie minnows.、Mm-hmm. It's a nice little minnow. Uh-huh. And、um, leeches and the night crawlers are pretty good. But if you work the cash register, after I asked, I was glad that I didn't work the cash register because you got a.、Um, Count the waxies, which are little like maggot worms that,、yeah. that fishermen enjoy using for ice fishing because you can just keep them in your fridge and they're real easy. But you gotta count those out. You gotta you count the waxies? Bulk, yeah, you get them in a bulk shipment and then you gotta count out the waxies for the. For the to、um, portion containers,、them? yeah. You have to portion the waxies. Yeah. And you have a problem with waxies or just Yeah, I don't like waxies because they look like magnets or magnets. Magnets in a. I saw the last boys one time in high school, and then I threw up when I saw that part where the rice was actually maggots. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I can't do this. So the waxies were, that's your obstacle to really being an effective bait salesman. Yeah.、And、I'm sorry that that didn't work out for you. Yeah, I know. Have、and、you gone ice fishing before? Oh, yeah. We used to go all the time. We'd make fires out, up on the lake, out on the ice, but the ice is like two feet thick. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. And, um, We'd make fires. And, and you catch fish? Yeah, yeah. Mostly you're just drinking and、um, cooking. Did you set up one of those little、out. houses? Yeah, we just left our house out there because I grew up on a lake. And、um, you just leave it out there and then hopefully you can get it in before it gets too slushy. What, what kind of business was your,、uh, was your family in? I mean, what were you doing out there? Were you making your own clothes? How, how, how deep <laughs> yeah, is yeah. this? You were? <laughs> no.、Okay. Well, my mom does. She but, does? Yeah. But,、um, was it a, a religious thing or just a rural thing? They just don't like people. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> there's nothing about comedy on this podcast. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. No, it's a, it'll、um, all come together. Okay. That's what I'm hoping.、Um, so, it, it, it was just that they didn't like the people. And、um, my dad was thinking about going back into farming because he grew up dairy farming. But. My dad had to work in the city because、mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't any work there. So he did mechanic. He was a mechanic. Wow. And, and he had to go stay with his sister during the week in Minneapolis. And then we'd, he'd come back on the weekends. I get it. Yeah. So you'd all be up there, all sick of you, with your mom making、yeah. food. Did you, did you、uh, pickle things? Yeah. You did? <laughs> yes. And you, you jarred things? things? Yeah, we jarred things, canned things. And we, we picked blackberries and. Um, raspberries, and I can make 
like freezer jam just real fast. Yeah. And um, you know, grew cukes and then made the refrigerator pickles and then my ma started bartending eventually. Yeah. And instead of money, people would tip her like um, pickled uh, northern northern pike, pickled northern pike. Uh huh. You um, did fish pickling too? Yeah, we smoked our own fish. You smoked your own fish? You had a smokehouse? Yeah, we had a smoker. A my, smoker. My dad invented like a special smoker, standalone smoker, and then we go down and we catch suckers out of the river, and then we take them home and we smoke them. And then one of my sisters had a, a apple tree fall down in her yard, and we were like the luckiest people in the world because we were like, oh, my God, we're going to smoke these on apple wood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's still one of the biggest events of my life. So <laughs> Was that tree falling down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my growing up. And then, um, so you can see it takes uh, quite a while to paint a picture if you're doing a a show at the improv or something like that. But like, um, so when you were growing up, though, was everybody in your community like you or were you like Carrie? No, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't the girl that showed up with the handmade dress and was awkward, were you? No, I didn't know I was awkward. I really did. I just had a a bubble, a social bubble till I was about 23 and didn't really know what was going on, on around me. Oh, <laughs> like, really? What fashion was. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even, and when it's good, the, it's good to grow up like that. No, yeah. I I think it's fascinating myself because, you know, you were probably, you know, very, it, it seems, all seems very practical to me. Yeah, it, To, it you know, sort of live off the, the world around you without, in being isolated from consumer culture and yeah. from, from, uh, from pop culture to a certain degree and to sort of have these events where you, you spend time, you know, counting, um, what are those worms called again? Waxies. Counting waxies yeah. or, or, or making jam. Yeah, we made jam. Went Did you fishing. butcher your own pigs and stuff? Uh, we had to kill one rooster because he's so mean. He kept attacking us. Right. And roosters are real, you know, this urban chicken thing mm-hmm. that's going on right now is uh, kind of gross because yeah. chickens are disgusting. Yeah. And um, But we had one rooster that just would chase you and attack you. You know, they they come at you with their yeah. talons. Yeah. And um, my mom kept a two-by-four in the backseat of the car because he would stalk you and come underneath the car door and run in, into your car and start going, scratching you and biting you in there. This is real sad. I sound, it sounds like I watched part of that uh, West Virginia, um, that dan- the Dancing Outlaw. Have you yeah. ever seen that? No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's about kind of like these backwoods West Virginia people. Oh, no, I saw that. The Blacks. The, the whites, whites, the, the whites. whites. Yeah, that's, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the re, the redoing of that first one from t- twenty years later. I guess. Yeah, I saw that one. The redoing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that bothers you? Could you relate to that? I could really relate to it. <laughs> I could because uh, well, it's a, it's a different culture to where I'm from because half of our school was um, from the reservation. And then um, the rest was just poor white kids. Like we had free fluoride rinse every Wednesday in school, and we had free shots, and um, they'd give us all kinds of shots. So you went to school with a lot of um, American Indians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you see? Because I, I don't like I've never talked to any about anybody about that. I mean, I read a book about it years ago by Ian Fraser called On the Res, but I don't mm-hmm. think um, I have any sense of what that reality is like. Well, I definitely think it was a little bit better for 
the reservation folks than um, there than it was uh, maybe like Which in reservation Arizona. Was it? Uh, Chippewa. Uh-huh. Chippewa, Chippewa. Did you have friends who were, who were yeah, uh, Chippewa? Yeah, and they would get to get out of school every Friday to go to the powwow. Yeah. So when I was in kindergarten, I caught on and I started lining up with the Native American kids uh-huh. to go to the powwow. Yeah. And they would... <laughs> they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't? But, no, but now the kids are encouraged to go to the powwow in the school that I was in. And, I mean, that would have been fantastic because... When when you're little, and then there's other little girls that have moccasins and beads and uh-huh. fringes and all this. It's like great. Yeah, it's yeah. like. Did you get to go currency. at all? Have you gone? Um, I have been, and then I worked at a, uh, um, mm, this is a, maybe not nice to say, but I worked in a, a, a correctional facility school. Uh-huh. Um, I I subbed in one in the summers, and then some of the girls were um, from the area so they would come and demonstrate some dances and yeah it's pretty cool so you you consider your family poor yeah poor maybe but you know my my dad he's not here anymore but he he had his retirement and they they took everything and put it into building a bar Mm -hmm. and they built a bar Um, it was supposed to be a Fix it garage and mm-hmm. auto shop, and yeah. Then, but then my dad had a heart attack, and he yeah. couldn't do that anymore. And so they built a bar, and so my sister and my ma run the bar, and then they sold their part to my sister, uh-huh. who I don't really think when they say sold, yeah, I don't know if that really means that money right. had <laughs> exchanged. Yeah. Just signed a paper. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there was a paper signed. <laughs> I I just think they just were like, uh, okay, you can have it now. Uh-huh. And it, does she still have it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does yep. okay. Yeah, it does okay. It's um, especially when the Packers are on or the Vikes. It's a local bar. Is it the local bar? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it is. I mean, this uh, intersection is called. It's called A and H Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and it's where County Road A and County Road H intersect. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a bait shop, mm-hmm. which my sister has kind of gotten a monopoly over there now because she's got the bait shop and the bar. Really? So yeah, she's doing pretty good for being a, a you know a single mom. Uh huh. Um, Selling those. Uh, yeah. Those, uh, what are they called again? The waxies. Waxies. Man, yes. Counting the waxies. Yes. That should be the name of your next CD. Counting the waxies. I will not count good. the waxies. <laughs> I shan't count your waxies. <laughs> uh, but no, it's an intersection with the bar, and there's a little um, morning time cafe, and then the bait, and then the volunteer fire department, uh, a taxidermy place, and we have a bank, and it's in... Um, a mobile home. <laughs> it's in a trailer. Come on. And no, this is serious. And they use the drive-through. They use the bay window. That's a mob. You ever see that on a yeah. trailer? They use that as the drive-through. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And you know everybody in town, right? Yeah, you do. And they know they know <laughs> me because of you know I'd go on the radio um, in Minneapolis, and that's where they're getting the signals. And now, stuff. when what? So was music sort of a, a ticket out for you, or, or did you think of it as you know what? What drove you to music initially? I don't know. I was just always so angry um, about growing up. Uh, I just I felt like I was always the underdog in in my family, How, and I was I used to had a list behind my door, you know, since. I was probably like nine <laughs> behind my door. I had a list on the on the wall, and and I'd write down names of 
my it was only my family members <laughs> of like a hit that, list that I yeah that had to that I wasn't gonna do them harm, but I wanted to remind myself how angry I was. <laughs> like what was what were the reasons on that list? Well, made me made me gut the fish. It, it was her turn. It was always <laughs> usually my younger brother on there. Yeah. Um, and toward the end of I I kept the list into high school. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, the, and one of the latest entries onto the list was um, that he, I put my brother's name down because he stole the engine out of my car. And like I, I went to, this is true, I went to band camp in Green Bay. Um, and I came home and my wagon that the neighbors had gave me was all jacked up. And then um, they were, he and my brother-in-law at the time were hoisting the engine out of the the, the wagon. The wagon. And they were must have been like, well, she's been gone four days, so she's probably not, not going to need this anymore. <laughs> and um, so and then I was like, well, how am I going to get the jazz band? <laughs> and, you know, and so I tried to get my mom to help, but she had her own troubles and my dad was gone so much. And no, so nobody did anything. So, but anytime I get mad, I would just sit, stay in my room and, and play clarinet. And I would play. And to, and I was always playing the wrong way, and I played until my lips were bleeding. Uh-huh. And then eventually I got pretty good at it and, and got a little bit of money from it to go to college. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just do this because I really enjoy it. You got money from clarinet? Just a little bit. I got just a small. But at the time when I went to college, there was still the caps on tuition, and right. so it was very affordable. State school? Yeah. It was really affordable, and... So you um, bloodied your lips with anger on your clarinet, and, yeah. and you got your ticket out to college. Yeah, and I, um, I spent, I just been starting to talk about it on stage about um, what I fantasized when I was little in my room. I would play, make up medleys. I had these songbooks from the fifties from my mom because she, I was using her clarinet, and uh, I would create these medleys and fantasize that I was playing in front of an audience. <laughs> Yeah. And it was always in a like a smoky lounge yeah. in my in my fantasy and like I would always be sitting at a grand piano yeah. but I wasn't playing the piano I'd just sit at a grand piano and I'd play my clarinet <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I just remember this it was like a Vegas style lounge so uh-huh. I must have seen it on TV or something yeah. and the people were really enjoying it and <laughs> it was it was it, it come to think of it now like thinking of it, about it now is really reflect reflective of how I was feeling at the time because there was no backup. Mm-hmm. There was no band. Mm-hmm. They were just enjoying me uh-huh. playing my clarinet. Yeah. In no other music. With no support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow I always worked somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> into it? <laughs> into the medley. <laughs> was, it, was that a high point? Was that where people would start tearing up a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> it was always Bing Crosby books and like, uh, um, yeah, I, I just... I don't know. I just sit in there for like four or five hours and play and make up these little scenarios in my head. And you so know. you were sort of a band nerd. Oh yeah, for sure, band nerd. But we didn't have it to the extent, you know, like we didn't have a real marching band or anything like that. Like we're in uh, in uh, northern in Wisconsin. No, no marching band because it was so cold. Yeah, and it was horrible. I remember we did march once a year at the homecoming football game. Yeah, and it was horrible because I was wearing these little canvas shoes in the ground. It's like thirty degrees, and you're just—it's so miserable. And our band director, um, 
I, even we would go, this is one of our big moves. We'd go out there. You know how usually bands march into a pattern and yeah. do it while they're playing right. music? Right. So we'd stand <laughs> in a line or whatever and play a song toward the uh, audience, the, um, sta- the football stand. stands. Yeah. They're grands. Well, if you, yeah. And, uh, bundled um, people. Yeah, yes. And then instead of marching into a new position, yeah. what would happen? Somebody blow a whistle and the d- drummer would just go tick 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 on the on the rim like yeah. that. And, um, and then we would all just run around to a mark and form a new shape. <laughs> and then we just play another song. And it was, there wasn't... You, was it even a full band? band director. Well, we had to... A lot of times we had to incorporate the junior high into the high school. To fill it out. Yes, we did. <laughs> and then, then the instruments that were less necessary, like the flutes and stuff, yeah. they would... Um, no offense of flutes, Flautist, but then those those gals got to hold the flags because the flag would look like two people, you know, because yeah. they fill a lot of space <laughs> on the field. So those ladies would hold the flags and do the twirling, and <laughs> and everybody was so jealous of them because they they could. It Wear just gloves. seems like yeah, they just seemed like they were warmer and and uh, yeah. That's a pretty uh, it's a pretty rough musical upbringing. Yeah, it's horrible. I've gradually just got those um, gloves. What you would do, get those stretchy gloves, and then cut the tips off of them. Right, right. Okay, so you went undergrad for music, and then you got a graduate degree in conducting. Yeah. And then you started conducting youth orchestra. Yeah. And you burnt out, you hit a wall, just too many sour notes, you were not as uh, loving as you could be, or what? No, I'm. I mean, it was fine, but I just I really liked performing, like that fantasy from sure. when I was in fifth grade, went all the way up, I guess, till now because I'm now almost to the point of just like to hell with the comedy clubs, and I just been arranging my own shows and um and just you know doing my own PR, and I spend so much time doing booking solo shows and that's that it's just like being a musician that's how musicians start you just well, book your own show so do you consider yourself you consider yourself a musician over a comedian or, or you just consider no. yourself a comedic performer or what do you consider you, are you a comedian I, I consider myself a folk humorist a folk humorist yeah do you play dulcimer <laughs> no <laughs> no i don't how, but what? i know a guy with a dulcimer collection mm-hmm yeah, yeah and then, you know, that's an easy instrument to pick up because it's got that drone string. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a slide thing, right? Can you slide it? Yeah, isn't there a, a, like a, another part? You don't just pluck the strings. Here's a drone string, but isn't it played with a slide or do you? Just yeah, you can set it up on a little table on your lap. in front of you, right? Or, like a, yeah. So how much? Uh, what do you bring on stage with you generally? What's up there? Um, clarinet. Uh, sometimes it depends on if I'm flying or not, mm-hmm. and um. Mandolin. Sometimes I talk for the hour and I don't even get to it. Depends mm-hmm. on what's going on in the crowd or what I feel like doing. And Have you had some uh, experiences where the crowd was mean to you? Um, not or are they too usually many. Pre- no? Not too many. Most of them, they uh, usually feel bad for me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> um, no, I, I've had a few in my life where the crowd is, is crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I had uh, one crowd one time in, this is a long time ago, Lafayette, um, Indiana. Yeah. And this y- young man um, from this real respectable college called Purdue Yeah. Um, sat in the front row and just kept belching the whole time as loudly as possible mm-hmm. throughout my set. And I was like, well, I'm not enjoying this anyway. And then I... 
was like um called attention to his belching because they were already noticing it and so I was like well you might as well shit yourself while you're at it and I, I try offered him like five bucks to shit himself and then I got the whole crowd chanting shit yourself shit yourself. yeah did you do it no he's too drunk <laughs> I, I thought that. <laughs> and then I was like but that's that was the highlight of that show <laughs> <laughs> you like getting crowds to do things together, and I think oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know what? The crowds, I think they surprise themselves. Well, I thought I thought well, that was uh, the the greatest experience about like watching you work was that you know when you go into a nightclub or you go into a comedy club, there's a there's a weird expectation to it. Usually, the crowd's a little drunk. They're you know they're they're kind of defensive in a way. They're sort of like, come on, let's get to the jokes. Yeah. And then you know you got up there, and somehow or another, you, you know, once they got past the uh, the awkwardness. Uh, of, of of themselves of themselves and, and, well, I mean when you're no, when you're kidding. up there you're sort of like this um, a fairly uh, angelic vulnerable presence and you're asking them to sing along with a song there's a moment where you're like they're not going to do that yeah, and, yeah. And, and then they do but, and it's like oh my god you almost made me cry I think I cried a little oh good well it's two things happening happy cries good good yeah. two, two things happening there is A they know I'm not going to leave until they sing because they still have the teacher eye. Yeah. You know? And then... They still have what? A teacher? I, I, st- I still have that teacher, teacher. Oh, eye. Oh, you do? Yeah. I can pull out. Yeah. And then... Um, also, they hear how bad I am. This is true. Like, I'm not a great... But I'm not a, I'm not a good singer. And then they, they're not as afraid yeah. to sing. Because I'm just singing to tell a story or uh-huh. some, do something ridiculous. Um, well, one of my heroes is Randy Newman. He's the greatest. Yeah. He's such a... He, he's the best... Would you say he's the best satirist? Is that how you say that? Well, I mean, um, there's he's like so he, fantastic. he does a couple of things. I mean, I, it's weird. It's satire, but it's uh, they're, they're people don't understand it. I, well, it depends which album. I mean, Rednecks is is definitely Rednecks. Yeah, he's definitely taken a shot. But yeah, then, that's fantastic. I love that song. But uh, but then you get songs like Guilty, which are just so fucking beautiful. It's Isn't a that fucking great? oh no, he's it gives you chills. It's oh, so no, good. Yeah. The first four or five albums that uh, his uh, Sail Away Rednecks. Next, mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah, he he's a hero of mine. He's a hero, and the um, so is Mark Twain. Those are my two heroes. Well, what uh, what songs do you want to do? A song? Oh, sorry about that. Well, I had seen your set at the mall, and I I haven't done this song for years, but I I thought n- maybe you could relate to this song. Yeah. Um, and I'll just do like a, the I don't even remember how really how it goes um but i'll just do a verse in the chorus um and if i screw up i screw up have you ever got stuck behind a rotten milk truck whose cargo is curdling fast so fast well you could hold your breath until you catch your death or you could floor it and try hard to pass. Just pass. So I'll go right to the chorus. And I'll go to, oh, do I mash it? Yes, I do. I'm in an expired chocolate chip ice cream relationship. And our love is curdling too. I must be lactose intolerant. Can't take any more of this. My ice cream headaches, just you. So I thought I thought that's a good theme for your for your set that I saw. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe you're right. I don't that? know your current situation, but I'm okay. I, that's uh, reminded I, me of. Yeah, you. maybe I was still in the thick of it then. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So where does that song come from? Well, I was. Did driving. you write it? Yeah. Well, oh god. Go ahead. I well, I had this boyfriend, and yeah. then he moved to Africa, mm-hmm. and then I went to visit him in Africa. Where in Africa? Ghana. You went to Ghana to visit a man. Oh, what? And I, at the time, I wasn't sick of traveling yet because it was what, before what, comedy. What did, what did he do? What was in Ghana? Peace Corps. Okay. You know, it's already bad. And um, <laughs> so and then I went to visit him, and then um, uh, um, the first day I was there, he broke up with me. And then I had to just stay in Africa for like a week or longer just pretending like I meant to just go to Africa. You wouldn't even hang out with you? No, we hung out because I was not prepared to travel by myself. In Africa. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the language and yeah, I yeah. had braces at the time and the kids cried. Um and then They cried. Cuz they'd never seen braces before cuz I was up in no man's land. Yeah. And um So they looked at your mouth and cried? Yes. Cuz they'd f- never seen half of them never saw a white person. Was it fear? Yeah. Yep. They thought you were like a monster. Like I was the devil or a monster or whatever. But so you, <laughs> wait a minute. So you get there, your boyfriend breaks up with you, and you're wandering around. <laughs> and the kids crying when they see me. <laughs> and they would cry in terror. At- <laughs> yes. I'm so I never thought of that. It's even worse than I thought. <laughs> so then um, I went back, and I was living in Nashville at the time. And, um, and I, because that's where I went to my second schooling. And, and then I. <laughs> It was just a bad time, and then I was driving one day to work, and um, the there was a milk truck in front of me, and this is where really I got the this line of the the song. And the milk truck was leaking, and it got milk all over my windshield, and I was like, "Wow, this is so many weird things that mm-hmm. happened to mm-hmm. me all the time." And then you wouldn't think they were related, but I just was writing about what had probably happened to me that month mm-hmm. and, uh, involved in one so- all in one song. Wow. So <laughs> there was all kinds of things in Nashville. They'd, there'd be like, cattle on the roads, on the freeways and stuff. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's but Africa, huh? So did you, did you take anything good away from that experience? Was it, or was it just uh, horrible? No, it was interesting. It was a really good learning experience and um, good to see. What, what's your favorite one to play of your songs? Um, well, you want to do a sing-along? I, but there's just two of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. What right. are the chords? Um, um, well, it's um, th- this one I don't do usually in the comedy clubs, but more like in... In any any other space. Well, I won't I won't play along. I because I, I think the mandolin sounds good by itself. Okay, and I'm not even using my pick because I don't know where it is. So you want this? Going on fingernails. Oh, I'll try it. Oh, how thick? Medium. Nah, it sounds like my fingernails because I I use a little thin guy. Uh-huh. But um, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, uh, if I were Vincent Van Gogh, I would sell my ear on eBay. Oh, it's the same chord as the last one. Ah, do you ever do that where you get stuck? You get stuck playing in the same. Yeah, I've been doing keys. that for twenty years. And then something happens in your brain subconsciously where you go go right to a song in the same you just, yeah, damn well, key. Well, you just mix it up. Have you ever? Oh God, see, it's the same start. I'm gonna do a different song. No, this is do how that paranoid song. I no one, I am. Yeah, but no one's paying attention to that. We just want to hear the song, Mary. 
Okay, if I were Vincent Van Gogh, I would sell my ear on eBay. Then people who had never even seen Starry Night would bid on it night and day. And then、uh, this is where they usually sing. There's a, lot, there's a lot of sick people in the world. There's a lot of sick people in the world. There's a lot of sick. People, lot of effed up people. There's a lot of sick people in the world. Um, if I were Jacques Cousteau, I would eat a pet shark raw. Then people would start watching PBS 'cause they wouldn't believe what they saw. And then there's a lot of dumb ba ba da ba da. Yeah, do it. <laughs> there's a lot of sick people in the world. Then it must be there's a lot of sick, sick people, a lot of effed up people. There's a lot of sick people in the world. So thank you for singing that. And ah,、uh, there's a. Um, there's some songs that I get uncomfortable to do because people take them the wrong way. Like this is a song I wrote, so so ladies wouldn't be anorexic. I was like,、um, ooh, ooh, I want to be a plus-sized model, the kind that can't run very far. Cause if I could only be a plus-sized model, I know I'd be a big, big star. Please feed me. <laughs> I want to carb load without having to exercise. I don't want to worry if the fat goes to my thighs. I wanna wear a plus plus size brassiere vavum. I wanna eat chips and wash 'em down with beer. Da 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 da. I've got a plus size dream, but I'm plus sized. Ornery for the best job in the world goes to the bigger. Girls than me, they're all sluts. Who want to be a plus-size model? The kind they can't. My God. So they're just fun songs, and I feel there's a little bit of a Randy Newman-ness to them, only in that. People often take him the wrong way. He's just so good, and、yeah. I've seen him live about three times. Oh, really? Three or four times. Yeah, he's one of those guys that gets a little like as he's gotten older, and because he's gotten so,、um, he, he's done so many soundtracks that he's become、yeah. sort of、um, like、uh, like some people make jokes about him as this、uh, this guy who's sort of hackneyed because he sort of hacks on himself to make these he, soundtracks. He does hack on himself, and he talks about it on stage. One time, he was doing.、Uh, A show with the Nashville Orchestra,、um, and I went to that show, and and he just was like, yeah, so that's a good song. But then I got the uh, uh, Academy or the Oscar for this piece of shit, <laughs> and then he played something from Toy Story. Right. So like he's got that in him, you know. He's such he's such a funny guy. I used to love watching、yeah. him on Letterman, and yeah. And、uh, but like it really annoys me that、uh, so many people. Only see him as that because they don't know his catalog. I mean, he's got an amazing、yeah. uh, uh, songbook. Yeah. So, how long were you in Nashville?、Um, I was there during the winters. I'm、uh, <laughs> wintering in different areas.、Um, no, I、uh, was teaching there and I did school、um, five years. Teaching but, music. Yeah. So you weren't there chasing a singer-songwriter dream necessarily. You were just. No, there I was、teaching. somehow I convinced myself that 
polka band was really gonna do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just like performing, and that was my one outlet. And then uh, I, we were really bad, and the people said, "Well, I just offer time," while the the people on stage were were fighting. Uh-huh. We would be fighting and arguing, and then I'd stop for time while they uh, they were just inebriated. It was so miserable, and I don't know. Why I kept on doing it. It's like an abusive relationship or something, but. Um, uh, I'd stop for time, and then people said, well, we like the st- talking better than the songs. And then um, uh, gradually the drama in that band got so crazy that it had just, it needed to be stopped. And What, you mean there were fist fights and stuff? Um, just people would just not show up. Or Did you have a good accordion player? Yeah, my roommate. Well, we had this one accordion player who would, could only play with his left hand so he had a, th- a phobia on yeah. stage we're like who cares just play it like a concertina you don't yeah. need to play the keys and he but he had a phobia where he could only have his left side facing the crowd so they couldn't see that he wasn't playing anything with his keyboard hand what was just it a button something hand. wrong with it his hand no he just didn't know how to do it <laughs> so so he'd stand so. to the Facing left all the time. He'd just stand facing <laughs> stage left right. Side, the- his left side could only be facing the audience, and that's it. Yeah, he had to always be on stage, stage, stage. Facing left. stage, stage, stage right. Yes, facing stage right. <laughs> and and there's always requirements, and in the beer tab was always we always owed on that. And then um, like one time we were playing, and I'm like, God, something sounds weird in the rhythm section. And I turned back. And I was playing, I don't know, sax or clarinet or something. And I turned around, and the tuba player was just laying on the ground. And um, he had been sitting up on a counter. He was just laying on the ground, still cradling his tuba. Mm-hmm. And I, we didn't stop the song, of course, because who cares? We just keep playing. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're like, was, well. was he playing? And he was trying to play <laughs> <laughs> on the ground with his tuba. I asked the drummer. I just yelled during the song because we were that bad. And I was like, well, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. He just tipped over. <laughs> and because and he was that drunk. Yeah. And so he's still just laying <laughs> on the ground like, like, um, just, you know, like a baby with a tuba nestled. <laughs> like he was spooning yeah. his tuba yeah. and trying to move his fingers and play. <laughs> So that was, and that's the same night somebody slipped something in my, in my drink, and I had um, I was sick for a week. Somebody put a thing in my in my cocktail. What was it? I don't know, but it was kaleidoscopes for a few days. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, it was something good. <laughs> but you would have <laughs> rather have chosen to take it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we got oh, we were horrible. Like um. I don't know. I don't whoop it up that much anymore as, no. as much as I used to, but we used to get uh, kicked out of, of places. My roommate and I would get kicked out. Mm-hmm. And um, one time I I get, they told us, well, I don't know why they told us to go because we, we were leading the dances. But um, I remember I went outside and just as soon as I get outside, I just started vomiting in their, in their parking lot. And I, I remember trying to, to stabilize myself on a basketball hoop. And I didn't know it was one of those portable ones, so yeah. I knocked the thing over onto yeah. a, a mobile radio station truck. So, oh, God, I just remember people picking me up and running because I 
had damaged this radio station truck with a bike trying to lean onto a basketball hoop where the whole thing just yeah. tips over and and that was the end of it huh yeah my roommate that was your bottom my no no it kept going so um but my um, roommate i'm like yeah you know she drives us home so obviously you know you'd assume she'd be okay she gets in as soon as she gets in the door she starts vomiting mm. and it was just like too much you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard to hard to babysit everybody else and, this is the uh, the death of the polka dream yeah mm-hmm. and and then she I still wasn't thinking comedy. My roommate just signed me up for a open mic night, and she said, "Prepare a story." I was like, "Oh, it must be comedy." So I made a story with my clarinet, and um, and I I went to it, and this was a game we played, and I went to this open mic, and it was a um, black poetry night, and there's all these people in African robes and with African traditional names, and I was like, "Seriously?" And then I still just did my bit because yeah. that was a part of the game and then i did my bit and all these really nice people in the african robes in traditional garments they listened to me and didn't necessarily laugh but i was like well, i can't believe they just listened to me for this many minutes and i i was hooked because i was like even the silence was so nice yeah because and then i was like i i wanted to keep on doing it and keep on writing more things i love writing do you have a cd out yeah i have two cds and i don't care for them anymore but <laughs> i'm real good at business uh i mean the second second one is fine the first one i i should have um the crowd it was during christmas week and banquet week at mm-hmm. clubs and the crowd kept getting drunker and drunker it's a lot of me Screaming. Like, hey, hey, you know what I mean? Okay, <laughs> I'm like babysitting all these drunk people and people are shouting stuff out and I was like, I'll keep it. And then um, the next CD was um, better. Uh, and it, it, it it's not a bad CD, but um, I had one even before that that I recorded myself and I would sell for like five bucks when I was first starting out doing comedy. Yeah. And it's actually probably the best CD. And it's not... Anywhere. And what's the what's the big dream now? What's the dream? Well, I want to have a miniature donkey ranch mm-hmm. and pumpkin patch and Christmas tree farm. Yeah, all together in like northern Wisconsin. But I need to, to do comedy to finance that. Is that really the dream? I'd like to to be have. able to do something in the woods. Yeah, but I enjoy writing. I'd keep writing. You want to go back to the woods though. Yeah, I feel it's a healthier. It's uh, the air here is so bad in LA, and the air is getting bad in Minneapolis, and it's uh, it's getting gross. <laughs> I have a hard time breathing here. Really? And I'm having a hard time breathing in Minneapolis because I ended up getting some lung issues a, a, f- a couple years ago. Now, do you, do you, does your family still have property up there? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm not only um. Paying taxes on my house, which I got in uh, Minneapolis. I'm paying taxes on my ma's house in Wisconsin. And then taking care of, that's 40 acres. And then uh, then we have another 40 acres in um, um, two hours north of there. So up just off Lake Superior. Yeah, we have one, one 40 and then another 40. And my dad was very good at buying land while it was cheap. Is it is it worth more now? Mm-hmm. All of it is worth a lot more, but we don't want to sell it. What are the resources on it? Water, trees, and deer. 
because those hunting lodges, they come out and they try to, you know, big money because people are wusses now and they want to take have a guide take them in for deer hunting. Mm. So. You got any brothers that can do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to involve them in anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I hope that you can uh, get enough money to go back up there. Yeah, um, thank you very much for saying that. I really enjoy the comedy, but there's a, quite a bit of um, rigmarole around the bookings at the clubs. No shit, man. So, um, I don't know if it's worth it in your life. I, I, any club that wants to book me, I'd love to come there if they treat me like a human and pay me as much as a, a male comic with the same credits mm. i would enjoy that okay do you want to uh you want to end on a song yeah what should we do did i just offend you being a man hell no oh, okay i want you to get everything you want thanks that's and really i think you uh, deserve it there's an irish toast like that did you bring is your name mary mac from the song mary mac yeah because mm-hmm. i got a private name too okay <laughs> So <laughs> you keep that private. Yep, I'm I'm always half hour away from going off the grid because I already researched mm-hmm. the solar panels and I know all the rebates and it's a pretty good deal. Well, you've and fortunately you have property off the grid, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'll be. It sounds like you grew up half off the grid. Yeah, problem with that property up north north is so rocky. I can't. It's hard to plant pumpkins. Uh-huh. For my pig tree. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you got to make compromises. <laughs> oh, you know? and that's the worst trouble you're having that day. Yeah. That is a pretty good day. Um, what what song? Um, um, do you want to do like an like a traditional folk song? Sure. Um, how about um, my mom likes this song. Um, it's just in C, and it's just gonna use. It's very easy. You're just gonna use. Um, uh, C and then F and then G and then C again. So let me think. Uh, you, well, you'll hear it. You'll hear you, it. you do a verse and maybe I'll come in on the second verse. Okay, this is the chorus. Mm, two, this is a waltz. Two, three. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. Beautiful. It goes back to C. Beautiful G brown eyes. My beautiful, beautiful F brown eyes. She, I'll never, you got it, love blue eyes again. Willie, I love you, my darling. Well, I love you with all of my heart. Tomorrow we might have been married, but rambling kept us safe. Part. Here's the chorus. One, two, three. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. Beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. My beautiful, beautiful brown eyes. Oops. Yeah, oh <laughs> shit. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Mary Mac. Thank you, Mark. It was very fun. Good. Hello, everyone. This is an appendix to the WTF podcast I did with Mark Marin. I just wanted to apologize for my poor attitude. I was very grumpy that day because I hadn't slept. 
And I do like comedy. I swear I do. It's just um, I sometimes have a bad attitude and forget what it would be like to work in a factory. So if somebody could please hire me to write some comedy for them or sit at a booth in the table as an extra in the back of a comedy show, I would enjoy it very much. I'll be in Nashville March 19th, some other day around then, next to that, adjacent to that, because I'm so good at planning tours. Um, thanks, Mark. Okay, talk to you soon. See ya, everybody. Okay, well, I hope that clears things up for you. I love her. I love Mary Mac. And uh, let me reiterate where she's going to be tonight. She's going to be at Bongo Java After Hours Theater. That's in Nashville. Uh, You can get tickets at bongoafterhours.com. She's there tonight, the 19th, and tomorrow, the 20th. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. You can kick in a few shekels. You can uh, get some JustCoffee.coop. You can check on what episodes are what, who's been on the show, how you can listen to them, get the app, uh, upgrade to the premium app. You can get on the mailing list. So much you can do. You can see my calendar to see where I'm performing. That's Bloomington, Indiana at the Comedy Attic this Friday and Saturday. I'll see you guys there. Thank you. Thank you. That was the weirdest ending I ever did. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, enough.